0: a conversation with Angela Uno, far too much discussion of the Tiger King, and more things to occupy your time. Here we go. It's the TX Water Public Podcast. I'm James Smith, back in Austin, and Joe Linehan is sequestered, or whatever verb you want to use in North Texas. So what is new this week in the Linehan household, Joe? It's it's we're in week two of lockdown.
1: I'm just hanging out in Grapevine with my lovely wife Stephanie, and um, she's teaching in the other room right now, and uh, kind of getting kind of going going full speed ahead with uh, with the with the online and slash remote teaching, and then we're kind of catching up on, on our Netflix here or there. Um, <laughs> we actually watched. I have to admit, I was a little – I felt a little dirty after I did it, but we did watch <laughs> Tiger King. <laughs> it's like oh, that really? is making
0: yeah. the rounds. I watched that a little bit when we were up in Santa Fe, and it was so – it wasn't disturbing. It's not like I crawled up in the fetal position, but it was. It was just so bizarre. Like it's. It's almost hard to believe that this happened in the United States. Like it's very. I, I suppose that's being very naive, but what a. What a weird set of circumstances.
1: I mean, you saw the whole thing, right? I did, and it got progressively <laughs> worse. And there was no real good guys. Yeah. Um, exactly. And truth is stranger than fiction, all those cliches. So, but uh, yeah, it was, it's one of those things. It's like a train wreck. You just can't, Yeah, like you just can't turn away.
0: Well, it's so popular that, you know, you spoke with Angela Uno, who's one of the head referees in the state of Texas. And earlier today, we're going to put that on the third segment. And I think this was part of the subject matter was this Netflix series. Yes, we
1: did talk a little bit about that. And oh my God. Um, one thing we didn't, uh, we didn't mention was that I think it was hilarious. Those that haven't seen it, I'm sorry, I'm not really ruining that. Yeah, that much, but Shaquille O'Neal shows up in it, in like the <laughs> second episode.
0: I
2: didn't
1: um, know and he actually had to put out of like a press release or 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 just a statement via like you know kind of That's the social media so where he yeah. goes, I do not know these people. I have, <laughs> I I mean, and I, and I thought that was just kind of, kind of yeah, yeah, just kind of. Uh, Very very funny. (laughs) Just just
0: distancing himself from all parties involved. No yeah
1: yeah. I mean no it's like I I will and I think I mentioned this on the on the on the interview with um yeah with Angela. I've always been kind of curious about these exotic things here or there that I always see signs for. I've never been to one and now I will never go to one. Yeah, they're never. too weird, man. No, 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 never. Never, 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 never. Even never. the Austin
0: Zoo, which is a... It's received some criticism. It's it's like half charming, half weird, because the, the animals, they're like tigers and stuff there. They're all behind um, chain link fences and stuff, and you think... This doesn't look super safe, but on the other hand, it's actually really kind of charming. But yeah, it, I I see what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, the last time I went to a zoo, I brought my nieces and nephews to it, and the problem is we went during yeah we went during spring break, and it was the <laughs> worst experience of my life because it was it was there was nowhere to park, there it was lines for everything, and I probably won't go back to the zoo uh, kind of recently. I, I I got my fill with the tiger king thing. So
0: did you ever go to San Diego or San Francisco
1: zoos? I went to the San Diego Zoo when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, they're a bit antiseptic, actually. So it's like it's you can't win, really. Like it just seems you know everything is like super, super clean and safe, which is great for the animals, obviously. But it's not as though you're witnessing them in like any huge natural habitat. Oh, well, whatever. Um, what's going on locally, Joe? Um, my club is suspended completely. Um, my Aquatex is part of the Aquatex Swim Team. Um, they declared, and my, co- my my boss, Mark shut everything down beginning last week. It has lots of repercussions. It's going to affect clubs differently throughout the state and throughout the country. Um, for us, my, even my wife this morning asked me, uh, about, <laughs> about unemployment. I get paid so little, it's probably not worth it, but, uh, but it has all kinds of, uh, consequences
1: for, for what's going on with our clubs. Yeah. There's a lot of clubs out there that kind of pay their, uh, coaches like, you know, to pay by the hour and such. So I do believe the stimulus package that, that was passed on Friday. Um, there's going to be some opportunities for the nonprofit and the for-profit for clubs out there to actually uh, kind of get some money from the, the the federal government to help them either pay bills or either get some new equipment. And I believe that, uh, I mean, I haven't read all the details yet. Yeah, yeah kind of of it, but they don't really have to pay a whole lot back each month it's right. not going to be like 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 you're you're you can take your time to pay back and that might be a that could be kind of a boom for some of the smaller clubs out there yeah. and and you know i've been trying to keep in touch with my coaches um and just kind of and yeah in just talking to them each week and such and just kind of asking kind of yeah yeah kind of how they're doing yeah. i think i'm going to start uh kind of probably just Kind of, kind of getting on a Zoom little conference call with them, as far as you know, kind of just, all right. So we're going to talk about front court offense, or we're going to talk about counter and then we're going to talk about six on five and yeah, and the different ways to teach it. Just do a little coaching, uh, continuing ed a, a little bit. So yeah, that's what I'm going to you know, do too. Yeah, I mean, like the biggest thing is, you know, if you charge seasonally, what do you do for this time away? Do you yeah, make you got to stay or, active. So yeah. do you, re- so do you refund the money that, that, yeah, that the kids already paid or, or so, or, or do you continue the spring season or if you charge monthly, do you not charge in April? Yeah,
0: that's and what then, we did. And then
1: yeah. when do you not, and then, so when do you start uh, charging or not charging? And I've been talking to a ton of different swim programs and water pool programs a- around the state and everybody's doing it a little bit differently. But the yeah. good thing is the silver lining is this is a tremendous opportunity for everybody to start planning to, to kind of start. To, yeah, to, yeah, to start planning and kind of and kind of seeing the big picture. Obviously, we can't plan for the short term necessarily because we don't know what's going to happen here in the next kind of uh, month or two. But, you know, start. Yeah. But start planning for fall and after. Yeah, most and, definitely. Um, And then, you know, I've like, and I've had a lot of conversations with some school districts and some coaches that have kind of reached out about, you know, all right, so what do we need for fall 2021 for the start of the UAL season? So, I mean, I'm going to be kind of continuing that, you know, for the next couple of weeks, but this is a great time to kind of start planning out uh, like, like a little bit. So the biggest thing is, you know, kind of what's going to happen with high school season here. And then also, you know, the national, the, yeah, like the NJO tournament is still on. Yes, those, are, those and, are the two
0: huge things. You are correct.
1: And uh, was it? It is still scheduled. So, so I'm just, I'm just telling kids, parents to like plan accordingly. But obviously, things are probably going to be slightly different for this summer. Yeah. I mean, I think. It's just going to be a kind of a big different summer, as yeah, because there's going to be teams that they may not be able to bring as many teams, uh, like you know parents that have the financial issues. Um, it's going to be a lot of different kind of scenarios that you know we don't really know yet, and, I, we I, and when we can't plan until we know kind of when we're getting back exactly. to and yeah and what events are going to be happening.
0: So, I'm supposed to be having a Junior Olympics meeting tonight, but or uh, tomorrow night, but uh, I've postponed it because. What do you? I mean, we can talk about it conceptually in the abstract, um, and you know what's required and and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't even know if it's going to happen. I mean, I'd, we neither one of us have any definitive uh, information about that one way or the other. But it just doesn't seem to make sense to me that it will proceed, except it's it such is, a gigantic it is still thing scheduled. for USA Water Polo. It's yeah, and it's still scheduled. It is, I get that.
1: Yep. it is still scheduled. There will be water polo at some point, probably this summer. Um, and we're hoping that the JOS is, is going to happen. And then we hope that like the jail calls are going to happen. Yeah. Um, it's just that we all have to be a, a little patient. You know, we can't, we, uh, we don't have the, we don't have the crystal balls and we can't, and we don't know what's going to happen in a week, a uh, little alone a month. Like, right. you know, I, I I had to talk with somebody about the tax tournament, which is uh scheduled for May 9th and 10th at Keller, um, in North Texas. And we haven't canceled it yet. Yeah. um, Granted, most schools or uh, no, I'm sorry. So most clubs who use school district pools probably can't get back in into those pools until I think what April 20th or yeah. You know, and at the earliest, right? At the earliest. So that would only be like you know a couple of weeks, even if we get in then, and we don't even know if that's going to get pushed back as well. So you know, are we going to push tags back? Are we going to push tags to fall? You know, and then it, if yeah, if we push tags kind of back to the fall what age groups are we going to use right so there was one club that said are we going to be able to do a ninth grade and younger group because you don't want those eighth, those current eighth graders you had to miss out on, on a tags tournament so hmm. so you know there's a lot of things to think about so a lot well okay let's let's, let's um <laughs> what else do you do at home you know
0: so and i think We're in a fortunate period of time where we find all of these coaches and fans and so on have have free time. So they are online. So um, if you haven't noticed already, there are some very good Zoom sessions going on that I call professional development. So the first one was Jack Coker, who's the head coach at Oaks Christian in California, and he's doing game film analysis, mostly counterattack stuff so far. Um, And then Brian Flax, the head coach at Harvard-Westlake, he's a national team coach also, and Brett Lathrop, the former coach at MIT and a UCLA assistant, are doing um, Zoom sessions about front-court defense, ball handling, and just game film analysis as well. So you've got these high-quality coaches that are out there providing stuff for free. I've actually found them extremely useful. Well, them being the ones with uh, Coffee with Coker so far. You can find – all of them on totalwaterpolo.com. We're really sort of ramping stuff up on that site. Um, if you go to totalwaterpolo.com and then click on events, you will see all of these Zoom sessions and you're free. They're free. You, know, and you can join them. Um, besides our podcast, there's two new ones. Did you know this? No. Oh, uh, Tony Osvedo has a new show and he um he is working with a coach referee and stand-up comedian Dave Williamson. So they used to have a podcast called Water polo Dojo. I think that I don't know why that ended, but anyway, I've I've never spoken to him. I'm going to do that though. So they have a new podcast that's on totalwaterpolo.com and then there's a new one from Ohio, Ohio Water Polo Ohio Water Polo Podcast. Right now it's only on YouTube. Um I'm hoping that those guys will uh Syndicate that as a regular podcast. So there's plenty of stuff to listen to um, a, a water polo related.
1: And if people need their water polo fix, and um, I think James can kind of fill us in, but there's going to be the Division Three National Championships that's going on tomorrow and Thursday, correct?
0: Yeah. You know, congratulations to Austin College because they won, and you might not have known this, they won the CWPA Division Three Championships a, a, a couple days ago. Virtual uh, Championships. All right, so yeah, virtual. So the, the I think a lot of people are familiar with the site, The Fosh. They do st- statistics for games, and they've done it in Texas many times. Um, they have a simulator for a tournament, so they simulated the CWPA Championships and... Uh, Austin College went on a tear, man, according to the computer. So anyway, they got the second seed in the virtual Division III championships uh, that was supposed to be played, you know, well, I, c- I can't remember the date. But anyway, um, so they got the second seed. They're going to play that out on April 1st and April 2nd on the fosh.net. I'm hoping to have a link on a Total Water Polo to that as well. So, yeah, congratulations, Austin College.
1: That's awesome. I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll be definitely checking that out.
0: There's also on Total Water Polo a couple new posts. Um, I've started to throw some videos out uh, of uh, what I'm calling the vault. Um, the first one was the USA men at the 1988 Olympics in Seoul, silver medal, disappointing loss to Yugoslavia once again. But um, actually, uh, I build out a little bit of the story behind that and the the athletes that were part of that team. And then one of the most interesting games I think in U.S. history, which was, uh, the women, the women's national team in 2012 in London were really, in a lot of ways, trying to make up for what was, I think, a pretty shocking loss to the Dutch in 2008. And uh, in the semifinals, they faced Australia, which was a, a big thorn in their side and has been since 2000. And uh, if you don't recall... Adam Krikorian called a timeout when the team did not have possession with one second left on the clock. It gave the Australians a chance to tie it with a penalty shot, which they did. So we all know the results. It all worked out out fine. But it's really one of the most remarkable outcomes you've ever seen in a water polo game. So go check that out as well.
1: Yeah, that's a great game. I still remember watching that game.
0: I remember watching it too. And then before we move on to the next segment, uh, one other thing. We're going to... Ask coaches and fans to uh, enter into a little nostalgia with us. Like, what, what were the best high school teams in the entire history of high school water polo in Texas? So, started in 1972. There have been obviously some excellent teams along the way. We're gonna we're gonna survey you in a sort of qualitative way to see what teams you remember. Why were they so good? What was it about them that you remember? And then I think we might actually put a poll together so that we'll put them jousting against
1: one another and and yeah and kind of do like either top 12 or top 16 boys and girls and yeah kind of, yeah and kind of have like a little march madness thing going so
0: joe what's the top of your head what's the best team that you can think of like right now which one
1: on on boys or girls either way either one one that really stands out okay boys back in the 80s there was there was some clark high school teams i think the clark boys won about four straight high school championships there was ross sterling and Mike Maroney, I think they were the first kind of Houston team to break through that San Antonio thing back in the 80s. Back in the 90s, there were some pretty good North Shore teams in the early 90s and kind of Marshall from San Antonio um, in the 2000s. Uh, I kind of think the Zane Bellal and Matt Choppa and Stevie Ray Baytown Sterling team did a great job there. On the girls' side, kind of there was the Humble High School team. I think they had eight total girls and they went undefeated and won the last wow. year that Umber High School actually That's played in the state. Wow. Um there was also some extremely good rostering um girls teams. Um obviously St. Mark's has had some very strong teams here the last couple of years. Yeah. Um there's been there was a pretty strong kind of South Lake Carroll girls team of like of like a few years ago. So Yeah. Won the all, stage, there's plenty of there's plenty of good teams. I know there's plenty, yeah.
0: Joe, but I, I wanted like the top two or three. You you
1: see, this is the problem. You know too much. You just know too much. No, that's that's just off the top of my head, and that's why we're gonna have it. I, I'm not gonna vote, but there's gonna be a poll that everybody else can vote. So
0: I'm not voting either. But the team for me, because I haven't been here for that long, is the St. Marks in 2015. That was the with Tim Simmons. That was hmm. I'm sure there are coaches who will argue with me about that, but just again, top of mind, top of head, that was uh
1: that's the team that stands out to me. So. And and then you joke about I've like I've been here too. Long. I mean, it's one of those <laughs> things where uh, they all start to blend after a while too. So. Yeah, but you but it's
0: good that you remember these individual. Even like you said, Clark won four years in a row. So you know that's obviously something that came to mind. It's sort of similar to the California experience, in which you know Wilson went on a big tear, Modern Day went on a big tear. You remember these sort of eras, if you will. Harvard-Westlake is now on a tear, so yeah, you have these teams that just really stand out, but not necessarily for one particular year. But anyway, we'll we'll figure that out. We're gonna put them on a put them on a spreadsheet, and we'll have everybody vote on that stuff. Sounds good. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back uh, with a brand new segment. It's exciting. Just hold your breath. <laughs> Right about now, you might be expecting some song and dance about a product you don't need. Well, shush, we don't advertise here, and we wanna keep it that way, so we sure would appreciate your help. Show your support by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate, so we can keep covering the sport we love in the great
1: state of Texas.
0: hi this is natalie benson and you are listening to a podcast about water polo in texas and now for a new segment that we've uh, very creatively named well we've named it either joe's corner or just ask joe because i think we both came up with different ideas and it just shows your shows you the level of commitment that i don't actually really care one or the other it's totally fine but it's, it's basically Joe, as we said in the last segment, has so much information swimming around his head, might as well just let it out. So this is a chance for us to talk to him about what's going on in the state of Texas, coaching, all kinds of stuff, team administration, um, all kinds of things. So um, my understanding is that somebody, a, a, another coach in the state of Tex, Texas asked you recently about how do you teach a kid to egg beater? And the moment you mentioned that to me, my teeth started to hurt because that is to me, and I've been working with Olympians and professionals from overseas for years. It's one of the hardest things to do is to actually teach that technique effectively. So,
1: how do you do it? Like, what 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 did you tell this other coach? Well, there's three major things that I try to do with a kid that's just kind of in practice and it's their first uh, practice. I I just simply ask them, okay, you know what breaststroke kick is in most most people know what breaststroke or the frog kick is. And I go, okay, it's going to be one leg. It's kind of like treading water. And then they will, and then probably a lot of kids already know what treading water is. And yeah, and yeah, and yeah, and then they can do it. If that doesn't work. Then I kind of say, okay, it's kind of like riding a bike, except your legs are going to the outside and your knees are nice and far apart. And that sometimes makes sense to people. And if that doesn't make sense, and then I will pull them out of the pool, I'll get them out on and, and I'll have them stand on the pool deck. I'll have them get their legs oh, kind of really far apart, kind of like in a sumo wrestler position, and I'll have them kind of lift their right foot and then uh, and then lift their left foot, and then just, uh, and then start dancing back and forth. And then of course, kind of me as the coach, I also do it too, so they don't feel like kind of like you know silly. And then I go, that's the general pattern in there. That you know that all takes about five minutes, and probably eighty percent of the people will kind of get the eggbeater after that. Now. All like not everybody gets egg beater kind of right away. So in the middle of practice, we may not be able to have the time. So I'll have them just do like breaststroke kick. And then once we have a little bit more time, I will kind of I will kind of bring the kids over and kind of get them out of the pool. I will sit them out on a table where their legs are kind of dangling and get their knees up high and wide. And I'll have them do the egg beater motion with their uh, uh, like the right foot for 10 times. And then yeah. I'll, uh, and, yeah. And, uh, and it, then I'll do the same thing with their left foot for 10 times and then and then and then 10 times together. Then I'll get them on the side of the pool. So they're so they're sitting on the on the side of the pool and they're in their and their feet are dangling. And I'll have them do the same thing there. And then I'll put them in the pool. And then their back is up against the wall. Their arms are kind of hanging on the top of the wall. And then they'll do the same thing. Ten, ten and then uh, and then ten together. Then I'll give them a ball and then they'll be out in the middle of like just kind of away from the wall for a couple feet and then they'll do it by themselves like 10 10 and then uh, and then ten together. Yeah. Normally yeah, kind of by the yeah, by the time we get to there it usually starts working where they can kind of do egg beater on their own. So I wish it was that easy. <laughs> I don't, I don't really? have the same
0: degree of success as you do because I, I do much of the same thing, although I will say that I'm going to do that sumo thing. In fact, you should probably make a video demonstrating how to do that sumo thing so we can put it out on the Internet. But Everything I'm, I've stolen from somebody else. So Same go. here. Yeah, exactly. You can't – well, I suppose you could be super creative about this, but I. you steal it from swim coaches. You steal it from other water polo coaches. You make stuff up as you go along because it makes sense, that kind of thing. But it is hard. That, that is hard stuff. Because, look, you've had the experience, and I have as well, you have a kid who shows up, let's just say he's 12, and he hops in, and you sort of tell him, you know, what we're trying to do here is to kick breaststroke one leg at a time, and boom, already has it, just gets it. And then I've had high schoolers who didn't know how to do it. They were still scissoring by the time they were seniors. So it's it's a, that is one of the most difficult things, at least in my experience.
1: But the primary thing is, you're always going to have those kids that can't do eggbeater or can't do breaststroke kick. Yeah. So you got to be able to find something kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of for them to do. And, and the one thing that that I try to get those kids to do that they just are not that like their ankles just don't work is all is I'll have them kind of scissor kick kind of with their their weak leg. Then mm-hmm. I'll have their ankle and foot come up to their midsection and push down hard with the outside part of of their leg to help them get up out of water. Yeah. I actually had a girl back in the Houston days that, yeah, that's how she did it. And she actually won state MVP at the time.
0: That's uh that was a new one for me. So yeah, that's incredible that she did was so successful doing that. Very, very good. Um, Okay. Well, we'll probably revisit kind of these things over the next weeks because, you know, what else do we have to do? Nothing. But, um, uh, before that question, well, well, there's other stuff on the horizon here for Texas water polo. We know that. Um, and, uh, it's not necessarily that they're locked in on the calendar. It's just something that th- these are a couple of things that we can look forward to. What are those?
1: Obviously, you know, kind of like, you know, there's, we're hoping, um, and I think there was out in a swimming world magazine article. We're trying to hope to get the hubba Waba. um, uh event for usa in texas in 2021 we're just working on on a date in the calendar um and next week so uh yeah we're gonna have dragon on as who is the main uh main kind of kind of organizer for all the haba-wabas around the world he's also been the head coach for the canadian national team he played at the olympics kind of back in the old like back in the uh serbia days um, and he's going to be on, on, uh, on an interview next week, but, uh, we're hopefully definitely kind of bringing the Habba wabba event. That is a, that is a kind of a festival type event for the 14s and 12s. We're still working on locations and dates for, uh, 2021. And of course, everything's a little bit on hold right now. Yeah. Um, I'm hopefully going to be kind of, kind of rolling out, uh, something called the Texas Waterfall Academy that um, it, it's going to be an online learning management system. Oh. And hopefully that'll be coming out here in June, July, this summer. Really so that I, soon? Wow. I mean, that's that's the hope. And okay. um, again, we have a little bit more time to work on these things that unlike like your to-do list that, that, that you never had time to do. And now we have some more time to do that. Um, yeah. But the whole purpose of that is to get a place, an online kind of where we bring everything together in one place. From videos to webinars to classes, all sorts of water pole kind of the like the yeah, like the education aspect that is specific for Texas, kind of leading up to the fall of 2021. Because we're gonna have a ton of new high school coaches, assistants, and head coaches that that probably need to, if they don't know water pole, then they need to freshen up on their water pole uh, knowledge, and plus you know, just a place for everybody to, just to kind of get kind of kind of how to do the egg beater or kind of or kind of how to type or kind of how to teach the off the water stuff or yeah. whatever you do. Um so I'm kind of ex- and, uh, and I'm kind of excited about that. So.
0: Yeah, no kidding. That's um yeah, that's something that's been necessary for some time. So, um I, well, and yeah, but yeah, we do have a lot of
1: stuff right now at yeah. the at, at the TX water Pole. that Darn end, right. but but right now that's just a bunch of links. So we want to do something like a little bit just kind of more specific just for education and it's going to be a standalone website and such. So to where, you know, the TX water polo, yeah, can have a link. The Tisco water polo can have a link. The Southwest zone can, yeah, yeah, can have a link and it's going to be easy and free for everybody. So
0: Joe, you should be happy. I haven't told you this. It's a breaking news. Do you know, some of the most popular pages on TX water polo, they're all growth. Are they really? Yeah. Your work
1: is, your work is paid off, Joe tens of people are, are looking at the stuff. No,
0: no, people. it's actually bigger than that, but it's good. And and um I, and there's a root directory, right? So you can look at you know who's been looking into the growth section altogether, but yeah, even the links beneath it they they get some pretty good hits. So your sure. stuff is getting more hits than my stories. Uh yeah, I don't know how I don't know whether how I feel about that. Anyway, you can we'll, we'll talk about this again next week um and you know for the coming weeks as far as we can tell. Um, if you have any questions for Joe, or uh, even if you have a suggested title for the segment, we'll, we'll take it. Send any of those things to pod at com uh, and we will do our best to incorporate it. You can use that email f- for anything, anyways. Anyway,
1: so uh, are there any more questions as far as like, you know, water polo stuff and teaching and such?
0: Not today because we're running out of time, Joe. So let's take a break and then we'll come back and we'll have your uh, conversation with Angela Uno. Hey, this is
1: Mark Lawrence from Austin College, head coach of the men's and women's Warflow programs and home of our kangaroos. When I'm interested in uh, what's going on with Texas Warflow, I always listen to the TX Warflow podcast. Okay, today we have Angela Uno, who is uh, currently the Southwest Zone co head referee. Um, she's also the lead referee for high school up in North Texas. She's also a teacher at Hillcrest High School. Uh, many of you have probably seen her on the pool deck for various club and high school events, and she's been out to JOS. So how many times have you have have you refereed JOS?
2: Um, I think four. I want to say four, but I could be wrong. Maybe three.
1: <laughs> OK, OK. And then and then this past summer, she also refereed women's nationals, which is basically the Super Bowl for Water polo on the women's side yeah and she's also a self-professed the number one fan and critic of this podcast. So 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 welcome Angela Uno.
2: Thanks. I'm excited to be here.
1: Are you really excited? I think I'm, I had to talk you into this a little bit, right? Come on.
2: I'm very excited. I love talking to you about your podcast.
1: Okay, there. Yeah, and and I said fan and critic. She's more of a critic yeah the, yeah the, yeah than anything else. But um, how are you coping with the whole COVID-19 stuff going on?
2: Um, I'm doing okay. Keeping busy, uh, creating new projects for myself and for my students um, and watching a lot of television.
1: A lot of TV. So what is the last thing that you binge watched or started to binge watch?
2: Um, Ozark. I watched season one yesterday.
1: You're a little behind. You're a little behind because uh, season three just came out.
2: Yeah. I'm catching up. Um,
1: It's a it's it is a great show. uh, And uh, Jason Bateman kills it in that. So it's great. Uh, What about Tiger King? Have you have you watched Tiger King yet?
2: I um, embarrassingly watched the whole thing in one day. Um, And so, yeah, I've got theories.
1: You have theories.
2: Oh, yeah. I think Carol is definitely guilty of something um okay. and joe exotic is also um suspicious
1: okay um i don't think he's suspicious he's actually in jail now so it's okay <laughs> but i think um, he's done
2: more than what he's in jail for
1: uh, probably i think uh, uh i don't think there were any good guys in that so um, my wife i was
2: a big fan of the campaign manager
1: Campaign manager. Okay. 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 So my wife and I, we binge watched it over like, I guess, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this past weekend. Not in one night, by the way. I don't think we could take that all in one night. But uh, we were so we were going back and forth about who is the good guy in this. And do you think the campaign manager?
2: I think there was like two or three people who were just telling the story. I think campaign manager definitely was uh, kept his hands clean pretty well.
1: Okay. I thought the guy that, you know, kind of didn't have the two legs, you know, who lost his legs in the zipline accident, not actual tigers. And um, I thought he came off as a genuine guy in there.
2: Yeah, I liked him, too. I, I like both of those people. I trust those two.
1: But everybody else in there was random and out there. And I will never visit a side of the road exotic animal park ever in my life. So there you go. I never have yet and i've always seen them and i've always been kind of curious now i'm not curious whatsoever i will go to a zoo and that's it a regular yeah. zoo like a city zoo all right well here we got off topic a little bit <laughs> so again this is angela um uno from uh she's currently the southwood zone co-head referee uh so so where did you grow up um yeah angela
2: I grew up in California. I am originally from San Jose, and then I went to high school in Los Gatos high, uh, at Los Gatos High School, home of the Cats. Um, and then I went to college at UC Santa Barbara, transferred out, went to West Valley College, and then ended up at SMU.
1: Now, didn't you go to, to Santa Barbara in there?
2: Yeah, I said that. Yeah, I ended okay. up at, I started at UC Santa Barbara. And then transferred all the way to SMU.
1: Right. I'm sorry I missed that. But so, like, um, I believe you also started refereeing back in high school or in college, correct?
2: I started reffing in high school. I was uh, 15 when I started um, because I did not. I asked too many questions at the table and the referees was sick and tired of ask, answering those questions and so um, told me that I should start reffing.
1: I am not surprised by that story. I've never heard that until now. And I'm not surprised. What <laughs> so, but, um, and so what did you start off, uh, uh reffing back then?
2: Um, I reffed a lot of the tournaments at my own club at West Valley, uh, club. And, uh, my first game ever was a older women's masters game. Um, and it was interesting. <laughs>
1: Did they yell at you? I, uh,
2: they were yelling at me what I should call, which was nice, but also scary.
1: It's also typical masters too. So that's
2: true.
1: And they probably, and probably half of them knew who you were. So,
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. So that's always interesting, so, to so I know you said you did three or four JO tournaments, did you any JO tournaments kind of, kind of way back in the day before you moved over to Texas?
2: No, actually, I didn't start doing Junior Olympics until I moved to Texas. Um, I was working tables um, for almost every J.O. since I've been playing. Um, And so, yeah.
1: So now you kind of moved to Texas. You graduated from SMU. um, And you've coached and you've coached a little bit as well as as a referee. Right. So tell us about that.
2: Yeah. So when I first moved here, um, I wanted to coach early on and I reached out to you um, and I started coaching a very small club that I don't even remember the name of um, that has grown into something else. Um, I also coached up in Rockwall and the homeschool athletic association team during the high school season. Um, And then once I started assigning for high school, Um, on the referee side, I started giving up coaching. Um,
1: so yeah. So, so, so the club that you started coaching with was Metroplex. That's
2: right. (laughs) I couldn't even remember the name of
1: it. You are young and you've already losing, yeah, your memory. You are opening (laughs) yourself up for lots of criticism on the referee side. So there you go. But, um, yes. So Metroplex and that's kind of turned into, uh, uh, there's a lot of those athletes that are still that, that, yeah, that started there are now playing for, um, uh, Pegasus. Um, and I, and then just for those that don't know, kind of, Angels still had a hand in Rockwell water polo, which has now turned into Lone Star. And how was, how was coaching the homeschool team? Was I it the, love, H, the H-S-A-A Angels?
2: Yeah, I love the homeschool team. They're all so sweet and they listen really well. Homeschoolers, uh, shout out to them because they're all self-starters and can really just um, take initiative and and do what you need them to do. So they're a great team to coach.
1: Oh oh yeah, I mean, mean, it's a bunch of of good kids. And for those that don't know, the high school, um, like the high school homeschool team out in Rockwell is still going strong. Um, The head coach there is now Matt Collins, who you brought up a little bit um and taught and yeah and taught to coach and he was a parent that has now learned to coach and he's now also coaching with the lone star water polo club as well so congrats so so you already have a coaching tree oh but, wow <laughs> but we're here more talking about the referee side of things I, and and i think you have a huge uh referee tree how is how has been doing the high school uh, uh refs up in north texas the last few years
2: um, it's been uh, really fun and exciting. Um, I love mentoring, especially my female reps that are coming on board, um, our younger reps that came right out of high school or in college still. Um, it's just it's been a blast seeing them grow and uh, get to bigger national tournaments and stuff like that.
1: All right, so what's the hardest part about kind of being in charge of the referees in a general area? I mean, they, so we got the actual assigning or convincing people to actually just step, yeah, kind of step foot on deck, uh, the actual uh, convincing people to actually sign up kind of for the various tournaments, just dealing with the coaches, dealing with parents, kind of dealing with athletes. So, what's the most challenging aspect of it?
2: I think the most challenging aspect would be getting people started in the first place. Once I get them started, I can get them um, excited about it. But if I can't get them on deck, then it's it's definitely difficult. Um, The other stuff, actually, I I enjoy. I like the crisis management piece of like talking to coaches and parents and referees and all that. Um, But the recruiting is definitely a struggle.
1: I mean it yeah it takes a village, so all the athletes and parents and coaches out there also have a part in the whole recruiting, we can always use more referees and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but last summer you kind of took on the like like the new role of a co um, head referee in the Southwest zone, so what's your role there.
2: Yeah. So um, there's two of us. The other person is John Reitmeyer and John Reitmeyer handles a little bit more of the assigning and the administrative piece of the zone head referee. And then I have the the fun part of recruiting and mentoring um, and doing more social media and outreach. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a blast doing that.
1: I mean, obviously, I mean, and I know that you guys work, I mean, USA water pole refs are are separate from the high school rest, but but everybody worked kind of kind of close and together. Um, And you talk about the hardest part is the recruiting of the referees this past. I mean, I I know we have the high school season is on pause right now, but um, how many new referees were there?
2: Yeah. So this past season, we got uh, 42 first year referees in high school.
1: That's a huge improvement.
2: Yeah um it's it's all thanks to a lot of the coaches who are reaching out thanks to you and this podcast and all the all the advertisement we get for um joining uh the referee side of things
1: and and that's the fan part of of uh of angela coming out for the podcast not the yeah and not the critic part so (laughs) So, but, um, and I mean, obviously you've, uh, like you started the, like the newsletter and the social media, have you had a good response from the referee community or just athletes, parents in general?
2: Yeah, I've gotten some replies back to my newsletter that they enjoy and that they, they are thankful for getting the information. Um, and on social media, I've had some fun conversations about different rules and, and, um, different topics.
1: Come on, kind of give us an example. You just can't say that and say so because you had like a little bit of a tone there for some interesting conversation so so kind of give us an example
2: yeah so um today we posted about um uh, a rule a penalty uh giving a penalty after a timeout is called and so we had some fun banter um, with coaches who've called timeouts on purpose to get a penalty in the last minute of the game um so yeah
1: now yeah, but I don't believe that you can do that anymore, correct?
2: Um, It's frowned upon. Uh, Most coaches on the the opposing coach would probably figure it out and uh, deny the penalty. So, yeah,
1: Yeah, there's been rules put in place because I know I've done that in the past, just kind of like kind of taking a kid and throwing them in in the water to get a penalty (laughs) shot. But that was back in the day that was that was a long time ago um but uh I mean, so like I know you have the questions online and via social media, but we have had a bunch of new rules that came on board here at the beginning of of 2020, and we've had a couple of tournaments and events to kind of kind of have them play out so what's been the like what are some of the more challenging kind of new rules to get across the end of the athletes and coaches
2: um one that uh, that brought up some questions uh in texas was actually not a new rule just a stronger interpretation of a rule which was putting the ball in play um and so showing that clear separation between ball hand and water um when putting the ball in play was an adjustment when it first rolled out um and uh people have been doing it now and i think we've had it long enough that um People are getting used to it.
1: Yeah. For those that are just uh, that have just played high school in 2020, can you go over the new rule for everybody and kind of explain it for like the yeah for for just putting the ball in play?
2: So anytime there's a foul in the water, um, the person who is in possession of the ball or is getting possession of the ball needs to put the ball in play. And what that means is that you have to um, separate uh your hand ball and water need to separate from each other at some point in whatever order you want to do it but you need to make sure that you either throw the ball up in the air um, put the ball in the water and pick it back up um pass it uh you could shoot it if it's a direct shot outside of five uh six meters i'm sorry um so yeah there's a definitely a lot of uh there was a lot of confusion about that starting off. I know it doesn't sound confusing, but there was a lot of um, there was a lot of interpretation of that.
1: Angela, our sport is confusing in general, especially <laughs> especially for the parents out there. So yes, um, any extra little like it, like explanation is going to be helpful for everybody. So, but thank you for that. Um, any other kind of uh, of the major rules that are coming into place, like the like the penalties have gone up a little bit just because of the inside of six meters instead of inside of five and they can, and they can still be holding the ball.
2: Right. Yeah. So we have that penalty foul inside of six meters. Now um, anytime somebody is uh, driving in or they're getting fouled from behind, even when the ball is in hand, um, that can still be considered a penalty foul. I think the confusion comes when, um, Uh, People forgot about the advantage rule, which the advantage rule tells us that we can't call, uh, we can't whistle a foul if we think it's going to benefit the defense. And so what that means for a penalty foul is that we want to see somebody finish their shot naturally. Um, If that's a possibility, we want to allow that to happen. And if it's not a possibility, that's when we call the penalty foul. And a lot of times um, we hear... We've seen um, both ends of the spectrum not enough penalties being called or too many penalties being called, and we're kind of swinging back and forth and we're trying to figure out when uh, we can find that happy medium and some referees have figured it out. some referees are still figuring it out um, and so we'll we'll see hopefully we can get back in the water sometime soon so that we can um, we can start getting that balanced out
1: yeah, and a bunch of the referees that have been, that have been doing it for, you know, a couple of years had their first taste of all the new rules at once at the ODP region tournaments. Specifically, I think a bunch of zone referees went out to the one in North Carolina. And do you want to get us some, yes, yes. Some shout outs to those that went out there.
2: Yeah. So we had uh, Joe Rubio, Easton Honaker, Edwin Barrera and Morgan Madrid go out to the region championship Um, Or ODP region, region, uh, yeah, regional championship, and uh, yeah, they did great. They got great feedback. Um, I was hearing good stuff from the evaluators there, and um, we even had uh, Edwin and Morgan were both on the youth, uh, youth girls championship together, and so it's always a good thing when we can see two Southwest Zone representing on the same championship game.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's great. I mean, there is. It used to be like you refereed there the, uh, and there was very little to do. That was what, 10 plus years ago. Now, if you referee, there is something almost every weekend. So um, and then there's and then there's going to be places to kind of oh, kind of rise through the ranks as well uh, from, you know, the local high school to game days to weekend tournaments to ODP. What is your uh, referee recruiting pitch out there for everybody that's listening?
2: Um my referee recruiting pitch is we need you. Um, and we would love for you to give back to the the sport that you love so much, um, and make a little bit of money doing it. Um, I, I also think for my athletes who are thinking about reffing, um, I know that when I graduated from college, I was itching to get back into the water polo scene and masters was, um, was fun, but it wasn't the competitive nature that I was looking for. Um, and the refereeing can be that for those athletes, you can find that groove of like, what, are, what do I need to do to be better? What do I need to do to, um, to get higher in the ranks? And um, refing works the same way, kind of like how some of our younger athletes are trying to get onto ODP national teams and stuff like that. Um, we do the same thing when we go out to ODP. We're trying to get recognized nationally. Um, and so if you're looking for that kind of competitiveness, that kind of um, that progress that you can make as a referee, then um,
1: it's there. So if somebody is listening and they want to become a referee, what do they need to do?
2: Um, email me. My email is auno at USA uh, we can get you connected on the high school side. We can get you connected on the USA side. Um, so, yeah, we would love to have you. Even if you don't think you know the rules at all, even if you've never played, we're looking for people to ref.
1: Yeah, we uh, we don't have enough referees. We can always use more. And that's and that's not just in water bowl. That's a, that, yeah, and that's across all sports. So, Angela, thank you so much for joining us. I know this was a dream come true for you.
2: Yeah, it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Well, um, um, kind of good luck with the Hillcrest High School kids and staying busy here and catching up on on the rest of Ozarks. So, thank
0: you. That was Joe's conversation earlier today with uh, referee uh, Angela Uno, and I suppose the message that comes out of that conversation, most of all, except for the part that's funny about the the Tiger King thing, is that the state needs more referees. It's not. It's nothing new but it's, a, it's something to reiterate,
1: right? Yeah, just email um, auno at usawaterpole.org if you want to refer.
0: Yeah, there's plenty of opportunities for that. And uh, as we've mentioned before, obviously, with the state going uh, UIL or with the sport going UIL, there's going to be more need for that um, altogether. But USA Waterpole is looking for them as well. So anyway, thank, thank you, Joe, for speaking with her earlier today. And, uh, and you know, stay safe. I'm,
1: And this has to be one of our longest podcasts. It's great.
0: I don't think so. I mean, I'm going to do some editing, you know, but maybe even this part, who knows? Um, But I I think it'll be less than 45 minutes. There was one, the one with Natalie Benson was 50 minutes. I don't, it's not like we get complaints about it, but uh, our our numbers are pretty good. So who knows? Maybe there's a lot of flexibility amongst our audience that that, they can take a 30 minute one or an hour one. We'll, we'll, we will push the envelope on that, but Thank you to you, Joe. Thanks to Angela Uno for taking time to talk with us. And thank you for listening and telling a friend about the TX Waterpolo podcast. Find us on TXWaterpolo.com to listen to us, to find us on social media, leave comments, give to the cause, and generally stay up to date on the state of the game uh, as we all get to stay home. But until next and week. Joe, that was going to be the final, the punctuation. You go, I go until next week. So long from Austin. And then you say, wash your hands. So let's do that again. We'll do that right now. So until next week. So long from Austin.
1: Don't forget to wash your hands.
0: This has been a production of
1: TWP Sports, LLC. My dog is scratching at the door. Uh, I can start. hear him.